everyone. I am Judah Bernard, the wisdom dialoguer of the rise creating your voice. We have a very special guest on this Monday that we are off and we are excited. And if she doesn't mind, I want her to tell her you where she is from because I'm excited that um, we're not just in the United States. We are actually worldwide. So I want everybody to know. So I want everybody to understand that I'm introducing to some and presenting to others, Philippa Bennett. Hello, Judah. Hello from Northern Germany. I'm actually originally from the UK, but I live in Northern Germany now. So hello from a cold and wet Northern Germany. <laughs> So our discussion today is um, um, grief to gratitude. And I want people to understand what grief and gratitude means. Um, in that being that we do understand that there are a lot of things that people grieve after, um, but we want to make sure that we want to hear your story. So we want to continue to listen to you as you develop your story in your grief process. So if you can start with that, that would be a great segue into our new topic for today is grief to gratitude. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a long story that spans back 20 years. Um, 20 years ago, I, I wouldn't say I was living a happy life, but it was, mm -hmm. um, it was okay, you know, day by day working. And I got a phone call one evening and um, had the news that my father had committed suicide. And um, from that point, my life pretty much spiraled out of control, I have to say. Um, I really didn't cope with grief very well. Um, I think probably about, took me about nine years of yeah, nine years of grieving to really start to come out of that. So it was a it was a very long process. It was a very um, alcohol and drug fueled process. That was my coping mechanism. Was just basically to get as drunk as possible so that I would black out, lose my memory, um, and convince myself I was having fun in the process. Which, um, in hindsight, looking back, it really wasn't the the uh, best way to deal with grief. Um, part of that actually involved uh, moving continents a few times. I, wow. uh, I lived in the Canary Islands for a while off the coast of Africa. I moved to, I moved to Germany, I then moved to Australia, I moved back to Germany and back to Australia and it was I think the second time that I moved back to Australia that I finally realised that something was really wrong and I had to make changes in my life. And in those changes, um, I, I know you saying that it was a long process. And I want our listeners to understand that, that everyone grieved differently. And in that process, um, I know you did mention um, um, your father committed suicide. Um, and I, I, I wanna put out a word for our listeners about what suicide now means to you? Well, um, that's quite a big question. Actually, I was, I was talking to someone about this today because um, oh, wow. um, 
the place I stand now is that I can actually see the positive things that have come out of his actions. Mm -hmm. So at the time, there were all the questions of, there was the question of why, because there was no note left. We didn't know what the problem was. In hindsight, obviously, he was depressed. He was an alcoholic. Um, so, it, you know, that's all hindsight. That's knowing what I know now. But I can actually look back now and say, well, you know, I wouldn't be doing the work I'm doing now if he hadn't done that, if he hadn't taken that action. My mum certainly wouldn't have the life that she has now, which is, is great. She has a great partner. She has a great life, you know, no more having to scrimp and save money because dad was spending it in the pub. Um, her life is much, much better. So I, I'm at the point now where I can see, I've, you know, I have... I have gratitude towards his decision because there have been good things that came out of it but that process was a really really long one and if I put myself back 20 years ago it was tough it was that how can you why would you leave me and my mum why would you do that why would you take that action without saying why without giving us any kind of reason and that, that was tough and I think that's the that's the problem that most people have is they have this you know aside from the grief process which we all have to go through at some point in our lives it's completely unavoidable obviously but with a suicide you kind of you've got all these questions yes. that also need answering why how what was the reason is it my fault there's a lot of blame and shame and guilt could I have done something and um and those are they're rational in terms of human beings mm -hmm. but they're irrational in terms of not being entirely logical because we have no control under over anybody else's actions and i think for those who's joining i want to put a disclaimer out there that this is going to be a very sensitive discussion talking about grief and loss and also suicide um but in that it's gratitude in that suicide and that grief where um, Philippa is doing some great things in um, her country and also just doing the necessary things she needs to do. Um, so it's more of a victim to a victor type of situation where she understands that in those nine years, she was at a place which was a low place in which um, I can agree with her that grieving is a process, but then Everybody grieving is not the same. Each grieving is something, it's, it's just totally different for everyone. It's not, um, it doesn't go into the, um, uh, to the grief stages too. Sometimes the grief stages are here, there, and everywhere. Denial versus loss versus, so we have to understand that everyone's grieving in total different ways. So this, what we're talking about right now is actually Felipe Bennett's um, grief process and what came out of that grief. Um, I know she um, stated earlier about the why. Um, tell us about the why. That was a really tough one. That was, I think that was probably the one thing you know, as, as time goes by, then feelings do start to fade. I mean, the grief does, it gets a little bit grayer, if you like. It's very black and white in the beginning. It's very raw and very, you know, you're very, very emotional at the beginning, even for the first maybe 12 months. But as that kind of starts to get a bit grayer, the questions come in. And 
actually letting go of why was the big, big thing for me. And realizing, I think with why the question is, you have to realize that you don't have any control over anybody else's life, right. nothing, no control of anybody. The only person you have control of is yourself. And I had to choose to let go of the why, because it's such a, per especially with something like suicide, it's such a personal decision to, I like to call it leaving the movie early. <laughs> he just decided, <laughs> I didn't like the movie, I'm going home. I like that, <laughs> I like that, I love it. It's fine. I mean, if you think, if you put it into an actual context, you go yes. to a movie, you don't like it, you leave. You leave. <laughs> I love and it, I, I love it. Yeah. And once I realized that, once I kind of accepted and allowed that, that it was it's nothing to do with me. It's nothing to do with my mum, nothing to do with anybody else. It's his right. decision. And I could let that go. And then that really allowed me to start healing and moving forward. And I liked, I liked how you, you, you use an analogy. And sometimes we have to use common analogies or life applications um, to the point of, like you said, it's a movie. And I think what we all need to realize, and you just gave me an epiphany that we're living our own reality TV show. If somebody doesn't like it, they can leave. <laughs> um, that that's 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 like a, a big epiphany that just went off in my head. That we all have our own, whether it's drama, whether it's suicide, whether it's domestic violence, whether it's anything that we encompass in our own story. But then again, I I think the biggest problem that I have that when we don't tell our own story to other people and then they come into the drama not knowing. That's true, yeah, yeah. And now if they have drama, it's like drama square because no one talked about the drama. And now we're both arguing, whether in a relationship or a friendship, because no one has really told the other person about their actual life because they're afraid to, 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 to see what someone would think about them. Yeah. I don't, I think we need to cut that perception out. I think we need to slice it in half and start having candid conversations as we're having right now. Um, that number one is that you dealt with grief and that grief looked like to Philippa, Philippa is I, I drank alcohol. I, I used drugs which no longer I'm doing that, but this was a part where I was trying to drown out my grief. And like we all have, we thought it was fun. <laughs> yeah. As long as I'm feeling this way, which with, with the drugs or alcohol that, okay, this is fun for me. And it, it gives me a way of what I'm thinking about. It takes me to a whole nother euphoria. And that's what I call it. Um, and and we're, we have these um, imaginative imaginations as we go along our day. But in the end, I think for me, when I did go through grief and other things is my opening thing was after I go to bed and I no longer have any alcohol in me, it comes back. So I think, you know, that's when I knew that I had to start working on me and start healing self within me because basically I was gonna go into a repetitive habit, which could have caused me crashed and drowned in many ways. Yeah. But 
and overcoming it, that was the, the, the best thing. So I, I, I applaud you for overcoming the grief and changing it to gratitude. But I also want to go straight into some of the great things that you're doing too as well. So let's definitely talk about those. And what I want our listeners to know that even in um, Philippa's struggle, she is an international homeopath and nutritional therapist, soon to be published author and founder of the Wellbeing Gardener, Planting the Seeds of Joy and Gratitude. Tell us about that and please let me know when the book comes out because here you go, going to be back on the rise so we can talk about your book. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so um, I worked for I worked for the past five years one to one with people, and um, that was primarily primarily using homeopathy and nutritional therapy where they needed it. And um, because I'd come to a point where this was now about oh, eleven years ago, ten years ago, where I I had come through my grief process and I wanted to be able to help other people who had gone through similar experiences because I I knew the self-development techniques and the strategies that I used to really it's all about raising vibration it's all about sort of it's not about blocking out the negative it's not about taking the negative away it's about replacing it with positivity and, and changing perspective and pivoting and, and all that kind of you know the law of attraction type stuff that we're all exposed to these days it really really it really does work and um working one-to-one -one with people it, it just sort of turned out that I, I very often got people coming to me who had they'd actually been through much worse stuff than me so I had lots of people who, who were abuse victims. I had lots of people who suffered bipolar or, mm. you know, severe depression, that kind of thing. And I had really good results. So I was really, you know, I've got lots of good feedback, lots of great testimonials, made friends out of it because patients become mm -hmm. friends. And, um, but I was looking for a way to reach more people because one-to-one -one is fine, but you can only reach, you know, there are only so many hours in a day. And, and mm -hmm. if this kind of work as well, you end up, um, you end up burning out quite quickly because you've got a lot of people's problems on you all day, every day. So I thought, you know, how, I, how can I reach more people doing what I do? So I actually had an epiphany of my own one day. <laughs> I was, uh, I'm part of sort of a, a, an internet marketing group that's um, it's really supportive, really great, really lovely people. And we have these things called thinkubators where mm -hmm. everyone comes together and you have a, you know, hash out your problems together. And somebody said to one of the other people in there, um, because this person had been adopted as a child, mm -hmm. and somebody said, well, why don't you work with other children who've been adopted? Because he'd been through the same thing. He works with children and, you know, specialise in the area that you know. And I thought, why don't I do that? Why don't I specialise in specifically helping people through grief and more specifically, when needed, people who've been affected by suicide? And out of that was born the Wellbeing Gardener. And what I'm doing at the moment is um, I have a, a course, basically a 12-week program um, that I put together for people to, so lots of people could come together because the, the problem I found with um, working one-to-one -one is you've got no community. So, you know, you've got all these people dotted around the world who've been through the same thing, but they're not together. They're not sharing their experiences. They're not sharing their their um, successes in getting better and feeling better and I thought well if I can bring these people together 
and because the 12 week program also comes with a, a private Facebook membership group, which includes all sorts of other extra goodies. I can get them to support each other and be there for each other, as well as receiving the experience and the strategies that they can learn from me. So that's where I'm at at the moment. I'm, I've launched my program. I'm just waiting for all the people to come and, and join it. And um, yeah, I'm, I want to reach as many people as possible to, to spread this, you know, grief is just natural and it's okay and there are things that you can do and we shouldn't be afraid to talk about death we shouldn't be afraid to talk about what happens when somebody is gone wherever they're gone whatever your belief is that you believe they're gone because every belief is right <laughs> every whatever anyone believes is correct regardless right. of what it is and um yeah that's where i am now i want i want to help these people to come together support each other and move them on and help them deal with their grief. Yes. And I think the, the good thing about that is being able to um, come together. And that's what we talk about on the rise. If you notice that we talk about love, community, and being humankind, because the one thing is we don't do enough of is love and build communities and also be humankind. And I'm glad you're doing that. So I'm going to tag on and you know what I'm going to say, Philippa? Why don't I join that 12-week thing and then I'll come back and maybe we can talk about it on the rise. So definitely, I'm going to sign up for that 12-week program because basically we I've had experience of grief. Um, and, and like I said before, that was a grief counselor too as well. And providing just information, also the tool and the skills that I learned in grieving too as well as not only the textbook um, about grief and loss that I was able to bring people out of it. And I remember um, several kids at a school that I was um, at, that I was teaching at. Um, it, was, it, was, it was a big, big thing with several students. And I think it was middle school students at this particular time. I can't remember the incident, but I knew I had to counsel a lot of students because it was a gravely situation where a lot of students passed away. Um, that were going to that school, man. That gave me um, an, a vehicle of providing the grief counseling, not only to the students, but to the parents too, but realizing the effects of when a child dies too as well, how children are affected by, especially if they're their classmates, if they're going to school, they're um, in the community and other, other skill sets as far as just trying to get them to the place of understanding of understanding death. And um, one thing that I talk about all the time in my, um, in my grief counseling is it's okay to grieve. And um, I wanna stop um, right now and for the, our listeners, um, I want to tell people right now is stop asking questions of how people died. Um, especially to those who have lost their loved ones. Um, bring them support. Support meaning, what can I help you with? Um, support meaning is, are you okay? Support meaning that you shouldn't ask if you're not gonna pay for the funeral. Um, <laughs> the support meaning that we need to become a little bit more humble and start looking into people's hearts and not the behavior that we've learned so many times of how did he die? What did he die of? Well, what, why you can't tell me? It's none of your business. So let's continue to hope on support, 
and getting better and helping that person like you, Philippa, getting better to the point of where you are now in providing services for people and building communities and sharing experiences. We don't do that a lot. We shut down. Oh, this is my death. Like no one else uh, been through death. Um, and then we start um, doing, like you stated before, alcohol, drugs, and other things. If it's not smoking, um, or just you, you, you isolate yourself. So in that, um, I want to talk about the launch of your new chapter um, in your life with the homeopath and the well gardening. Um, and, and you also just got the expertise of five years of clinical practice as a homeopath. So definitely, uh, I want you to like tell the listeners what homeopath is. Okay, so um, homeopathy is, is basically an energetic system of medicine. So um, it dates back actually 200 years to a German physician called Samuel Hahnemann. Mm -hmm. um, and he discovered, um, just basically speaking, because it's, it's, it's quite complicated, but he, he discovered that um, there were certain substances, if you diluted them and basically take the energy out of them, you could give that substance to a healthy person and it would produce the same symptoms as an illness makes in an unhealthy person. Oh, wow. And he did that with um, this, um, there's a certain type of tree where they get quinine from um, in India. And he used that, uh, the bark of this tree to make an, a medicine which produces the same symptoms as malaria. And he gave it to a healthy person and they got the symptoms of malaria, but not the illness. And he then used that medicine to treat people with malaria and found that by, by finding this energetic kind of resonance between the illness and a certain substance, he could stimulate the body to heal itself. So it's very much an energy-based medicine. So when people come to me and they, let's say that, let's just take an example of that they're suffering with grief, but they're suffering of uh, quite a common one because I get a lot of ladies coming to me rather than men, it just seems to be that way. They're usually suffering the grief and loss of a relationship. So mm -hmm. something that didn't work out with a, a previous partner. And there's a certain, there's a remedy called um, natrium muriaticum, which is actually just made of salt. It's a, like a, an energetic resonance of salt. And it's very, very good for grief and loss of, well, grief and loss in, to do with death, but also grief and loss to do with losing a partner or not, not having the, or losing the relationship right. that you wanted. Right. And that's really it. So um, with the training you go through, you have to, you learn how to basically see the, the nuances in people's characteristics and find it's also symptom based as well so if they have you know pains here and there what the pains feel like and how strong they are and when they're worse and when they're better in times of the day there's all sorts of complex kind of um, modalities and yeah so you find you you basically interview this person about who they are and what they're suffering and how they're experiencing it individually for them and then um, find the right medicine to give them to stimulate their own body into their own healing. Um, so that's what I've been doing for the past five plus years. Okay, that's great. That, that sounds great. Now, I have a question that came from one of the listeners, if you don't mind um, answering it, is when do the 12 weeks start? Um, I'm planning to start in the first week of November. 
Okay. So that is the planned start. I haven't got the exact date yet. It kind of depends on where people are from all over the world because I'll try and do it at a time that sort of fits everybody in a day that fits everybody. So when I get a few people signed up, then I can I can gauge and see what day and what time is best. But it should be the first week of November. And, and another question is when they sign up, is there a fee? What what what's the what's the process? After you sign up, then they hear back from you. Yeah, they can go to my website and look under, I've got a section called programs and they can sign up there. It does cost, it's $497 for the, the 12, that includes 12 weeks of the program, which is one-to-one, -one, well, one-to-many one Zoom calls, but they're live Zoom calls with me once a week. And that's also a membership of the private Facebook group for 12 months. And in that group, they also get um, monthly coaching calls, um, guest speakers, nutritional advice and health tips as well because I'm able to, to give that too and basically access to me for any kind of question and answer sessions they want um, they can request basically anything they want to know information on to do with health to do with any kind of topic really to do with mental health um, so that's sort of 497 for the, the whole year and that's actually the launch price so after this first round of launch the price will actually go up so that's kind of the first round price. That's what I understand, Felipe. Let, let, tell, let them know that you, hey, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta pay for your experience. You gotta pay for you the got, experience. You do. You um, gotta pay for my time and my my experience. Yeah. <laughs> um, definitely, we talked about Felipe is currently launching an interactive online grief gratitude program. We just talked about to share with as many people as possible. Uh, with simple daily practices and challenges and 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 other perspectives. Um, and they could just achieve happiness if they desire and deserve it. But I want to go back into one of the things that you talked about was definitely um, grief and loss, even when a person has not um, transitioned, but grief and loss because they ended the relationship. Let's, let's talk about that. Yeah, actually, this is something that's come up quite a lot um, in our current COVID situation, because um, a lot of people in the UK, at least, I'm, I'm sure it's in the same in the US, they've lost their jobs. Um, and this, this is actually a, also a form of grief. When you lose something that's important to you, it doesn't matter if it's a job, a person, a relationship, a pet, it could even mm. be something you have great sentimental value for. The process of grieving it has you know various different levels but that that feeling of loss and sadness can be applied to almost anything depending on how important it is to you and the loss of a relationship is something that um it comes up a lot with my patients it's it's almost all of them um have some kind of grief or loss in their background and usually to do with a, a, the loss of the man that they thought was going to be the love of their life and they just can't get over it it takes yes. sometimes takes decades for them to to realize that they need to let that go yeah and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because i think some people do not know exactly um what that grieving is just not the transition of an individual but it is um, um, if you lost someone in a relationship, um, if you lost your job, if you lost your house, if you lost the financial income that you may have been getting, um, mm -hmm. grief and loss can be in many forms. So I'm glad that you brought that out. Um, another question that we have from the listener is, 
Uh, will this um, give, uh, will you be give, um, giving people a certificate once they complete the 12 week, week program too as well? Um, I hadn't planned to, but I could. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like a good idea, actually. I might yes. do that. Because <laughs> it, it will be some type of reward that, okay, yeah. that, and you know, I think that is a great question because what we have to think about that, especially when we um, go to kindergarten, preschool, high school, and college, that you always get a certificate of completion or a certificate of something to make you feel like you did something. So, I think that 12 that 12 week certificate program would be a great opportunity to indulge in um, providing a certificate to let them know that they successfully completed the 12 week program in a, in a good success rate too as well. I don't know how you were worded but it's I mean, important like, though to to understand as well though that once the 12 weeks is over that's really just the beginning yes so it's not like you do 12 weeks and your life will suddenly be as perfect as you want it to be and all the grief is gone and you'll be happy for the rest of your life it's, it's no a that's, process. that doesn't happen <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a learning curve it's a learning process and that's why i want i have the group as well so that you're not right. you don't get to the end of the 12 weeks and just go oh what do i do now you've got this supportive community to take to take you through for the following months after that and and if you um the listeners do understand that she did talk about Philippa talked about earlier that it's a whole year program because you have the faith um the the online group that you're on after the 12 week uh, program so it's sort of like a building a community immediately so you can have someone to talk to um because we have to understand that um every day is just not going to be a happy day Every day is just not going to be um, butterflies, rainbows, and skills that you're throwing up in the air and fairy dust and, oh, I feel so good today. Yeah, nothing's going to happen. We all go through grief. We all go through loss. We all go through anxiety, some form of depression, and things that we cannot acknowledge all the time, but we sit in it, and sometimes it becomes worse because we do not we do nothing about it. So in that, um, Philippa, would you mind telling the people some of the things that they can do about it, even if they don't feel like that it's a big problem? What what are some of the, the symptoms or the triggers or things that you've seen in people that they may say, oh, well, I didn't know it was going to get this worse? I have to say, probably the number, I'm going to give away my number one strategy here, so... <laughs> It's, it's just going to be out there. Um, the number one thing, and this comes from experience with my patients, it comes from, I did a lot of research before I um, launched this program with other people who've been in the same, exactly the same situations as me. And that is forgiveness. Mm. That it takes, if we have this, it's a really big blockage in a lot of people's um, mm -hmm. self-development is not being able to forgive. And that could be, could be the person who's, you know, if, even with grief, you might not be able to forgive that person for leaving you, regardless mm -hmm. of whether it was an illness or suicide or whatever, but also not being able to forgive yourself because a lot of, especially with people who are already doing some kind of self-development, you have this kind of guilt complex that you're not doing well enough and you beat yourself up about it. And I've, I've got a, um, a guided meditation that I, I like to take people through where you basically you're um you're transferring the energy of love onto the person that you need to forgive and that could be yourself it could be that person could be a situation um but that's really really the biggest 
obstacle that people have in their way of, of moving forward. It's not something you can probably, it takes practice. So if I did it in the first session and said, right, go and forgive everybody that annoyed you or, or left you or, you know, you're angry with, it wouldn't work. It takes right. a little bit of practice. It takes sort of baby steps to get to that point where you're ready to start to forgive. And then by daily forgiveness practice, and it only takes maybe five, 10 minutes of this guided sort of meditation of forgiveness. And you can really, really start to see results and really start to move forward. Okay. One of the things that I want to come back to was the listeners want to know that once they do this training or this um, this 12-week course, is will this actually certify them to help someone else? So is there like a, a I, I guess they're, they want to know, like, it, are they a coach now? Like, are they a life coach or or can they go and help someone with a certificate or, um, or looking at it of um, that this is a program where you're training people to do exactly like some of the things that you do? Um, no, it's not going to be that. It's okay. going to be, it's going to be based around, it's, it's kind of personalized, if you like. So it's, it's based around the, the wants of the community. So rather than actually being a very structured black and white training program so that you can take it away and you can take the, the strategies away and use them, that's, that's no problem with that. But it's more for, it's built around the community and what the community need and what the community want. There are sort of milestones and strategies that are ones that I have developed myself. They work for me, they've worked for my patients, um, but it's more sort of, it's building it based on the wants and needs of people. So. No, it's going to be a training course. So definitely um, they will have the skill set in building a community. Um, so that that is a great skill set where they is it, not a certificate program as far as certification to do the actual training because um, um, Philippa is a therapist. Um, so um, that that takes a, a, another skill set to go to college and some other things and training to make sure that you get certified in that area too as well. Um, one thing is what we still have to keep remembering is that number one, like I said in myself, that sometimes we're unable to know um, or are in denial of how we feel. Um, can you give our listeners some cues that um, of the denial and how you feel and maybe some things to do about them once you feel a certain type of way. Because what I want people to understand that we don't all feel the same thing at the same time. Um, anger looks different from Philippa to me. Um, depression looks different from Philippa to me. Grief looks different from Philippa to me. Um, so I want people to understand that no one is gonna have the same symptoms at the same time. So could you expound on that? I think um, in order to know how you feel about something, you actually have to allow yourself the time to allow feelings to come to the surface. So if I talk about my own experience, I didn't allow myself to feel anything for a long time. Right. Um, I didn't keep still. I moved countries. I was always busy. I was always drunk. <laughs> so wow. there wasn't the time to allow those feelings to come up. It wasn't until I was actually, um, by circumstance, I was living in a very small country town in the southwest of Australia, mm -hmm. of Western Australia. 
and there was nothing to do. So I actually did have the time to allow feelings to come to the surface and, and through that was then able to say, oh, well, actually, this is how I'm feeling. This is how I'd like to feel. How can I get from here to there? And to do that, I think my number one, I mean, if I say meditation, some people might go, oh, I can't meditate. It's, it's not for me. <laughs> but I, I think lots of people have a misconception about, med yes. about, about meditation. It's not about sitting cross-legged on a mountain in Tibet. It's, it's not that. <laughs> it's just allowing the chatter to subside in your mind long yes. enough that you can allow uh, an inspired thought to come into your mind. And once you allow that kind of flow of thoughts, once you allow the chatter to subside, allow the, the inspired thoughts, the thoughts that come from within to come out, then you can see how you're feeling. Then you can see where you want to go. And when you have those intentions of where you want to go, that's when you start to see how you're going to get there. So I think meditation is probably not the word, but maybe mindfulness is more of a, yes, mindfulness. a better description. Yeah. Yes. And one thing is I want to people to start practicing mindfulness and meditation. Um, for my listeners, your homework is definitely doing mindfulness and it's called leaves on the on a string. Try that mindfulness practice um, basically because it gives you the ability to watch the leaves on the stream. Sometimes we don't take um, enough time just to watch things. Um, you watch and notice the leaf on the stream, notice the turns and things like that on it. But sometimes, like you mentioned, Philippa, that when people hear meditation, they automatically think that you're supposed to be um, sitting with your legs folded Indian style on top of a mountain and smoke blowing and all this good stuff. But meditation can involve you listening to your favorite song. It might be a favorite beat that you have. Meditation could be a hobby of yours, like cooking, knitting, um, so people need to realize that meditation is just not you sitting at a, um, with folded legs <laughs> and, um, you can meditate in your car. It might be the humming of your car. Um, so let, let's take the whole mindset of what we may appear that it may be and be more creative in creating what meditation means to us. And that's one thing that I talk about in the rise, creating your voice is we go by systemic meanings but we don't create our own meanings to make sure that it fits within our within our um, own personal life so like for me i love music i will listen to music and go in a zone real quick <laughs> um i love to bike so i will go on a bike and i can ride for hours because basically that's the meditation for me that just smelling the air, smelling the, the good sense and rolling and rolling and keep rolling. It's like I'm rolling on the river, don't have nowhere to go, but I'm just, I'm in my moment. So in that moment, people call in your meditation moment, be happy, be free, be able to breathe normally, be able to have mindfulness. Notice the trees that you pass by if you love the bike. If you listen to the music, notice the different beats, notice the, the onset, the downbeat, notice those things. That's you practicing mindfulness on it. So guess what, people? You guys have been practicing it already. You just didn't know you was practicing it. So what do you think about that? <laughs> 
I think uh, I think you and I are connected across the waters because I, it's exactly what I like to do is to go out on my bike and listen to music. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think um, mindfulness is, is a lot of what I teach as well in terms of, you know, you might have been being mindful in doing what you're doing if you're if you like knitting or crocheting or, or painting or whatever, but you're not actually conscious of being mindful and I think right. it's it's bringing that consciousness of being mindful in that actually helps helps you to really realize the good things around you and yes. it's through it's, it's through gratitude that we start to realize what a, what a fantastic life we do have it's tricky in in this current situation that we're in because people yes. are under a lot of pressure but there's always something you can find to be grateful for if you're out on your bike you've got that time for yourself to focus on just having that time for yourself and appreciating the leaves you know it's, it's coming into autumn or fall as you call it there it's coming in you know the trees are beautiful the air is yeah. fresh you know you have a bike to ride yeah <laughs> <laughs> all these things you've got legs to to pedal the bike and it's just yes. being conscious of that which actually brings you into this this state of gratitude and the more you can do that which takes practice especially you know we're very used to complaining about everything yes so, how many women like to meet up with their girlfriends and just complain about their husbands or their partners or or whatever doesn't doesn't bring you any joy doesn't bring yes, you any, not at all. <laughs> it just brings you more anger and more frustration reliving the moment and it doesn't do you any good that's it's getting out of those habits and putting in mindful habits creating better habits creating more sustainable happy structures in life that brings you forward and brings you together with other people and that's what I like that once you start noticing and being mindful, you start being mindful of um, some of your friends' attitudes that you didn't have any idea of what they were pouring energy into you. And that's what I've noticed with me that I'm like, wow, I can see people for who they really are now and not giving judgment, but be on alert that hey, I'm actually noticing you and we're not drinking. And it's not funny what you were saying <laughs> because I don't drink no more. So I'm just like, totally like, it's not funny anymore. <laughs> but, you know, if it's genuine funny, it's going to be genuine funny because we, need, we didn't need any additives or preservatives to make me laugh. So I think that's that's the misconception that I had that drinking and you know would provide fun. And with me being like not drinking or not drinking any alcohol for many months now, it's sort of like I'm like super, super, super duper duper past happy now. My energy level is like way over the top. <laughs> that I'm I'm happy that I was able to pull myself out of the things, but Every day is not a happy day. And I want our listeners to understand that, that we go through life with um, sorrow. We go through life with, um, I, I hate to use the word angry. If you don't mind, Philippa, I'm going to say emotionally overwhelming um, because sometimes perception gives somebody's angry and they probably really not. And I've already said, that's a cultural thing that we need to be mindful of, of who we call angry or they appear angry and we use angry loosely. Um, so I, I want to put a new word out there in the dictionary for those who are listening and say they, they appear to be emotionally overwhelmed. 
um, for angry because basically I don't know what angry looked like or how angry could feel. I just know what I am and that's emotionally overwhelmed. So I want people to start learning and tuning in to different things that um, systemically we've been placed what angry is, what, um, what mad looks like. So let's start not saying that all the time because it gives to me, and this is just my opinion, it gives a negative connotation. Um, and it gives a bad forming habit because if you continue to look mad, if we don't give it another name instead of, I think you have the desire to think of something else or something like that, instead of saying mad because mad institutes you're angry or this is what it is. And what I tell, um, and I always um, refer to my godson because I'm training him not to be in these words that the world has given us. Um, and I tell him, I said, um, I've noticed that you have a look on your face. Could you tell me more about that? You'd well, I'm mad at you. <laughs> huh? You'd make a very good homeopath. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we need to start focusing on not what we see, but understand people for the appearance or the action that they may give. It, it is about you're you're completely right and it's that that element of non-control because you don't know what another person is thinking yes. you don't know what another person is feeling it's only your perspective yes. which could be completely wrong <laughs> and most of the time and not in mine but in people that see me their perception is totally wrong and i tell them your perception is wrong if I'm talking loud right now, people will think that I'm angry, but this is the way I talk. I have such a passion in things that I talk about, especially in a subject like this, and I will get aggressively loud. <laughs> it's just because I'm just enjoying the conversation and that's it. And, oh, you, I think you're angry. Um, no, I just really like what I'm talking about, especially when I'm in a job or something like that. If I'm talking with this, that means you got me, you got my attention. Um, on, on a place I was um, working at before, you know, I, I would go in my in the office like this and people say, well, it looks like you're, you're upset. I was like, well, no, in my perception, because it's what, how I feel and what I look like, when I fold my arms, that means I'm actually listening to you. You got my best ear that time. But the thing is, systemically, we've been folded into these definitions that really provide a negative connotation. And one thing that I said in, in a lot of groups is that I do groups too as well, that we need to take the word perception out the dictionary. We just need to destroy it. I don't like people providing a perception about someone else. Let's provide facts. I noticed that your arms were folded. Tell me how you feel. Yeah. What are your thoughts? <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. And that's that's exactly what we do in, in homeopathy is tell me how you feel or tell me how you're experiencing something. Yes. Um, I think a lot of people aren't ready often to, to get the answers or they don't want the answers. It's kind of, it's a very British thing. And I don't know if you do it in America, but 
if you meet someone in the street that you haven't seen for a, for a while, you say, oh, how are you? And they go, oh, fine, thank you. And that's it. They're not fine. And um, if I may swear, can I swear on your podcast? <laughs> Mind if I curse? Right. Because there, to... there, there was my homeopathy um, lecturer said that fine stands for effed up, insecure, uh, neurotic mm. and emotional. Right. Because you're not, people aren't, aren't t- saying how they feel. And I think that's the problem that we have, especially with the, the mental health epidemic that we yes. have. That people are struggling because they're not saying, they're saying, oh, I'm fine. And they're not fine. They should be saying, well, you know, actually, I feel a bit rubbish today. Yes. Well, let's, let's go and have a coffee and talk about it. It's, yes. It's as simple as that. And, and like I've been in the UK before, I think that um, even I've been over in Europe too as well, that people are fine with telling folks if they're not okay. So that's where I get a lot of my things from because I was stationed in Italy. So the issue that I had when I came back to the United States was systemically, we are trained to say, okay, hey, how you doing? I'm fine. But what I ask people, definitely, because people know that I really have an intuition that I ask them, are you okay? I don't ask them, how you doing? I ask, are you okay? (laughs) So now you can't say that you're not okay or I'm fine. It's like, oh, and um, some people ask me back, oh, you know when to ask me because if you don't never ask me back, I already know that something's wrong. So I was like, okay, what way can I support you today? Instead of guessing what's wrong with you, what way can I support you today? Yeah. Exactly. So I want people to really start getting that. If you didn't learn nothing else from myself and Philippa today, is definitely stop asking people, hey, how are you doing? Or, um, or op- ask open-ended questions. Hey, tell me about your day. Yeah. Um, tell me how I, you're feeling. Yes. Because, but, okay, let, let me stop. Let me put a disclaimer out there that don't ask them that if you're not ready for it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Because people ask that they're not ready for it. Then they're like, oh, gosh, there they go drowning me out with this again. Yeah. So we, we definitely want people to do that. Um, we definitely talked about um, suicide. Um, for those who just joining, we have Philippa Bennett on. Um, 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 it was a homeopath and a therapist, and um, um, agrees to gratitude over her her father's suicide, um, um, and providing gratitude in a way where she's a therapist and how she wants to build communities across the world, not only in North Germany and the UK, but across the world. Because one thing is, what we don't do is build communities. We break down a lot of communities by our mouths. Let me repeat that. We break down a lot of communities by our mouth. In the Bible, it states that your tongue is a double-edged sword. So remember, I just did a um, podcast about either your tongue, um, talk less, listen more. Let's be um, doers of that, uh, um, talking less and doing more and actually horn in on what Philippa is talking about too as homeopath is making sure that we're asking the right questions and open-ended question and being truthful and transparent. A lot of us are not truthful and transparent. Um, and that's what 
we need in the world, especially to heal the land and be able to go beyond where we at. Uh, we talked about domestic violence on um, yesterday too as well. So just want to give that up too as well. I'm definitely going to drop in the National Suicide Prevention Hotline if those who are online know someone that needs the National Prevention Suicide Hotline being that we are in this pandemic and they, people may be alone. Um, the Domestic Violence Hotline was dropped on yesterday, so that is um, podcast. And we're going to be talking about breast cancer awareness too next Saturday. I mean, next Sunday, I do apologize. The special guest is Shalonda Grant King. Um, and, and just want to bring awareness in a lot of, in a lot of facets. Um, the Rise Creating Your Voice was a podcast that is providing a social platform for any and everyone to tell their story, to bring on whatever they have to offer to the community, to the world, in providing healing, providing a process, whether it's a business or anything like that, but taking it to the level of communicating, educating, and also being motivating to community and to the world. So what is some communication that you can give to our listeners about homeopathy and also um, a skill set in just being a better person and educating themselves and also bringing themselves up to a, a new level of motivation too as well? Um, I think the one thing that sort of sprung into my mind as you were talking there was... Um, and actually it's another conversation I had a few weeks ago with someone who it's okay to have differing opinions. Yes. It's okay to not agree with someone. Yes. And, and you see it online, especially online at the moment, or, you know, as it's developed, social media is developing, people get so angry with other people because they don't agree with them. Yes. And there's one thing I always ask my, my patients who, and also friends as well, if, some, if, a, if friends are having an argument, you know, in a couple or something, I say, would you rather be right or would you rather be happy? Mm. And everyone says, oh, yeah, I'd rather be happy. I say, well, just let it go. There's no point. You, you, you don't agree. And that's fine. You have an opinion. You have an opinion. You're both right. Yeah. <laughs> because you both think you're right. And that's okay. You don't have to have the same opinion. As long as you're not hurting the other person. As long as you're not taking from them or stealing from them or being aggressive, it doesn't matter. And I think 99 out of 100 people would say, yes, I would rather be happy. And it makes them think. And communication is not about trying to convince the other person that your opinion is right. It's about having a, an open discussion and being supportive of each other, even if you don't agree. And that's great. Just being supportive of, of other people. And we're down to um, a couple of minutes. We got about two minutes before we're wrapping up. But I want to definitely, if anyone has any questions for Philippa Bennett, uh, we want to thank her for joining in and definitely go to her website. I want her to put her plug in. But The Rise Creating a Voice, we have motivational texts sent every Wednesday. You text The Rise to 844-452-4110. Give us some of your um, taglines and some things where people can look you up at, Philippa. Okay, um, I'm basically the well-being gardener everywhere. My website is thewellbeinggardener.com. My Facebook is facebook.com, the wellbeing gardener. Instagram is the underscore wellbeing underscore gardener. Um, you can find me on Pinterest, also the wellbeing gardener, and Twitter. I think the wellbeing G. I think because I didn't have enough letters. <laughs> 
So we would definitely put that in the podcast and um, put all those in there when she called them out. So definitely we want to give a round of applause to Philippa. One thing is we want to definitely keep emphasizing that there is, you don't have a good day all day. You don't have a good day every day. Let's say that. Um, and being able to assess and be mindful of those bad and good days and actually practicing meditation so you may get better, whether it's you get to a point where you're not at a total 100%. If you got the 50% from 30, that's great. Celebrate the small wins. Sometimes we don't do that. We want to get to 100. You can't get to 100 if you just can't get to it. It's okay not to be at 100. Just get, if you breach um, 35 if, from 30, that's a small win. So let's start celebrating those small wins of getting better and actually developing an ch- um, opportunity to heal the land. Start telling the truth. Start being transparent. Any um, final words you want to leave with the listeners, Philippa, before we go? I think everybody be nice to each other. Yes. <laughs> you heard that from Philippa. Is everybody <laughs> be nice to each other. Christ said that love one another as I have loved you. And that was one of his last commandments. And in leaving with that, like Judah always say, we'll see you on the next podcast. Tell a friend, tell a foe, tell your spouse. Heck, tell everyone. We'll see you on the next podcast. Goodbye. <laughs>